We work hard as physicians to take care of the health and well-being of our patients. But when it comes to our money, do we have the same condition of care? Probably, probably not. Let's change that together. Welcome to the Financial Freedom for Physicians podcast, where we'll fight and advocate for your financial literacy. As always, I'm your host, Dr. Christopher Liu. Thanks for being here. Let's jump into the show. Hey guys, I want to welcome you guys to the Financial Freedom for Physicians podcast. We've got a great episode this week. Before we begin, please hit the subscribe button as well as the notifications bell and be sure to like, comment, and share if you like this episode and we'll get into this week's sponsor and show. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This week's episode is sponsored by CityVest. CityVest has quickly become the most popular and best way for doctors to invest in top-performing real estate private equity funds that are usually reserved for institutional investors. This unique access to investing in these institutional funds is available for the first time ever through CityVest's easy and secure online investment platform. CityVest does the hard work of conducting due diligence and vetting the investments. They even get a third-party due diligence report that is posted on their website. As a result of aggregating a several million dollar investment amount into their access funds, CityVest gains access to investing in the institutional investment and is able to negotiate better investment terms such as a 12% preferred return. You can check them out at cityvest.com or go to the link in the show notes below. Now on to the show. So welcome everybody to this week's podcast episode for the Financial Freedom for Physicians podcast. And I'm your host, Dr. Christopher Liu. And we have a weekly show where we bring on physician entrepreneurs, investors, people on the cutting edge doing things we imagined impossible. So today we have a um, guest, Dr. Dewan Farhana. Uh, she is the founder and CEO of Dr. Finances, and she's going to talk to us all about her journey and how she came to be. So welcome. Hi, thank you so much for having me, Chris. I really appreciate it. I'm excited yeah, I, to be here. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, I know we were just talking backstage a little bit and uh, we both had uh, spoken at White Coat Investors and, mm -hmm. us, uh, and we had connected and just talked through... Um, email and internet and just mm -hmm. networks. So I'm glad to get you on the show. I'm trying to get the word out and the brand out and awareness out. So um, I know you do all things finances. I know you're in, interested in startups. You've written quite a number of books and you've spoken. So uh, tell us how you got started and we'll go from there. 
Sure. So, um, so I can start a little bit with my sort of medical journey. Um, so I, you know, I did my undergrad at Rutgers. I was um, set to becoming a clinical physician my whole life. I imagined being the chair of the physical medicine rehab department at some top <laughs> hospital. Um, but uh, while I was in my journey, you know, I've always, I've kind of always been like a founder at heart. I've always been interested in doing um, different, working with different organizations and things like that. So. While I was in um, the last year of medical school, you know, um, one of the things I noticed is that there was a lot of these technology products that we were using that um, were just like having a huge impact. And this was something that um, people were using around the world, like millions of people. And I was really curious about it, like Dropbox and Evernote and things like that. And so I started learning a lot about startups. Um, I know my spouse at that time was already immersed in the technology industry. He previously had one of his startups acquired. So I was starting to get a little bit curious. Um, I didn't know um, anything about startups, how it works, what it means by technology, meaning, you know, I've always heard about business school, you know, there's such thing as business. Um, and I've heard about technology, but now it was like a, a, a mix of like combining technology with business and doing it at scale. And so through my research, what I've learned is that, you know, the, um, the way the startups are working is that you're basically leveraging software to reach millions of people within milliseconds. And so I was reading articles like by Mark Andreessen. He's one of the top VC investors here. And he was saying how software is eating the world. Eventually, every single company is going to be a technology and software company. And so um, so after um, fourth year, I matched into residency. and then I, But at the same time, I had the opportunity to move here to Silicon Valley um, and work on a startup. I had found a, um, a great founder. And so I just decided to take that opportunity um, because it was something that I thought about all the time. And I'm very much a person who, um, whenever I see a great opportunity, I go for it. I try not to let things like, you know, structural reasons or, um, you know, family reasons stop me. So if I see like a really good opportunity, I'll go for it. And um, so I decided to move here. On a personal side, my husband was already living here for about um, three years. So we were doing long distance for three years. And so if I continued with um, PMNR residency and training, that would be another seven years of long distance. Then he would have to move back. And he was he had a great opportunity at his job and he was moving up quickly in his um, current position. And we want to start a family. So it just made a lot of sense for me to move here and work on the startup. So I did that. Um, I was a founder and CEO of Betterness. And what we did is we connected professional home organizers to people who really needed it. So um, people with disability, different illnesses, even small businesses to help them get digitally organized. It's a $27 billion industry. And, um, you know, we built that platform out as a marketplace. And while I was working on the startup, I started discovering um, uh, robo-advisors because there were, these were other startups that were disrupting the financial industry. And basically, um, I learned about Wealthfront and Betterment and what, um, you know, that you can just invest in something called low-cost index funds. And <laughs> you have this thing called compound interest, apparently, that I've never heard of. <laughs> and you can have your money <laughs> for you while you eat, sleep, and shower and stuff. And so I was like, wait, what is this? And so previously, when I've heard of different like financial advice, I was like, no, this is a scam because like, if it was something important, someone would have told me, I mean, hello, like I've, I've been involved in organizations my whole life. Um, 
you know, my, I have some great mentors, everyone around me is so smart. You know, I've worked with some top notch surgeons. Someone would have said something as amazing as this, <laughs> you know, no one ever did. So, um, so, but I took it seriously this time because these were other full startups, well-funded startups working on this idea. And that they were saying that, you know, most financial advisors can't, you know, um, uh, figure out like what's going to happen in the market. And that if you just follow the market index and you invest and, you know, you invest for the long-term, you can grow your wealth. So I told my husband about it and he was like, no, I don't know. Cause he wasn't even contributing to his 401k. You know? <laughs> And so I asked my sister about it, who's always been, my older sister has always been smart. She's a board certified rheumatologist. And she said, I've never heard of it. So my brother-in-law who works in Wall Street, he said, I haven't heard of this. So I was like, okay. So we did a lot of research and then we realized, oh my goodness, like there's this whole subject of personal finance and compound interest and how you can reach financial independence. And there's actually a Trinity study that was done and you can actually invest and reach financial independence that way. So so as soon as we found out about that, we just went all in. Like we were the type, like we just didn't know um, this concept. Like, and um, you know, I always say it was like I found the answer to like an exam. That's what it felt like to me. And so we just went all in. Like we just like contributed to every single account you could think of: four hundred one k's, solo four hundred one k's, HSAs, Roth IRAs, backdoor Roth, um, uh, five twenty nines, front loaded our kids five twenty nines and stuff. And so um, as a result, um, and we were fortunate that we both had um, the way we built wealth is basically just high income. Like we we were high income earners and we just contributed to low cost index funds. So it wasn't anything fancy. It wasn't like we did it through crypto or, um, you know, or real estate or anything. We mainly did it with um, low cost index funds. And by having the market, you know, help us fight inflation as well as grow our wealth um, consistently, um, we reached financial independence um, in uh, early 2020. And as a result, I transitioned out of the startup um, to focus on a um, couple of things. One is I have two little ones, so my five-year-old and one-year-old. And then also um, there were a lot of physicians reaching out to me because they wanted um, you know, more information on how they can transition from clinical medicine into tech. Um, because previously it was like, if you left clinical medicine, it was like a big deal. Like, what is going on? You know, <laughs> but now because of everything that has happened, which Chris, you and I couldn't predict now, yeah. you know, it's like, oh, you guys are like pioneers, but really, like, <laughs> I'm sure previously we were seen as like weirdos <laughs> that were like, you know, moving out of clinical medicine. But, you know, I kind of always knew that I could go back to clinical medicine, you know? So for me, it wasn't like, fortunately, it wasn't like burnout or anything like that. It was just like, look, here's a really great opportunity. You know, you have this co-founder, you have this, um, opportunity to build this great startup, like, do you go for it or do you, you know, and I knew that, um, and I, I'm a DO as well. So I know that there were like definitely family medicine spots, especially in certain areas that are always available for DOs. So I was like, look, I can always like do family medicine, which I always loved. I loved all aspects of medicine. Um, ultimately I like PMNR. And so, um, so, so that's what I did. And so I did, um, uh, I do consultations for physicians and then I started teaching personal finance online um, because I was like, wow, other people need to know this information. So I started posting, I think it was back in 2016, 2017 um, about this information, disability insurance and stuff. And then um, now um, I've, I'm recently doing a fellowship on venture capital because um, I'm interested in potentially joining a venture capital firm in the near future. And so that's where I am. <laughs> well, uh, that. That's an amazing story. And um, 
I think we had so many similar um, paths because uh, my, my path was in 2008 and, you know, I was in, uh, I was in the was orthopedic residency and there's this, this, uh, the 2008 crash and there was just all these uh, markets on sale. So, and uh, I was, I came across this really interesting uh, decision-making way of um, looking at things that was coined by um, Jeff Bezos. And he was like, mm-hmm. um, you know, if you have a fork in the road, you want to go when you're 80 and think about look backwards and see would uh, would making this decision or making not making this this decision uh, leave you with regret. So, and it was, it's a very fascinating way to think about things. And that's sort of the way I think about things now. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, 2008 and then of course, you know, your decision. So, you know, these takes a lot of courage and, um, and there's so many resonating and, um, you know, I'm, and I'm, I'm fascinated with the tech space. I'm, you know, I'm involved with, um, you know, these entrepreneurs and NFTs, DAOs, Web3, Metaverse. So that's like where my focus is now. But it's so it's so awesome to see physicians, you know, forward thinking physicians thinking about where we're headed into the next 20 years. You know, where are we going to be really breaking outside of these traditional modes of thinking? So, um, yeah, so. Tell us, uh, yeah, tell us about your 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 startup, and you know, it's 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 exciting. I, I want all my audience and listeners to to mm-hmm. to know more about you and about what you're doing. Yeah, you know, one of the big questions I get is like, how, um, you know, like one is, you know, people can how can they do what I did, and also mm-hmm. more importantly, like how can people join the tech industry? And you know, I think it's so important that physicians to be aware that they can join the tech industry because there's so much opportunities here. Um, mm-hmm. I was talking to um, a couple of the women that are going to attend the ACE conference, and what I was saying is, um, you know, there's a lot of great options. Like, but real estate is not the only option. There's options in pharmaceutical industry. There's options in tech industry. The pay in tech is also great. You know, and in tech, you get paid for the value and talent you bring. So you know how, like in uh, medicine. If you're like the top notch Harvard, you know, neurosurgeon, you know, you may there's like a cap of how much you can make. And especially if you go to a rural hospital, you may get paid less. But just because you're the top Harvard neurosurgeon does not mean that you're going to get the highest pay. But in tech, if you're like the top machine learning expert, oh, you're making millions. So (laughs) so that's sort of like the value and the talent you bring is Mm -hmm. um, is reflective of how much you get paid. And physicians are really well positioned to get paid well here as long as you know how to negotiate, you know your worth, you know the value that you're bringing because everyone has a lot of talent, right? Um, like everyone in medicine is basically a superstar because they've worked so hard to, you know, get to that place. And so, um, so you know, the approach that I took is I was a founder. So in a sense, I did it the hardest way where basically I built a startup from the ground up. Um, and so, you know, and, and to do that, you know, you need a really great idea, but more importantly, you need the execution and you need a bulletproof founding team. You know, the, the statistics itself is hard. So 90% of startups fail. Um, most VC firms are not profitable. You know, these are things that are really important to understand. And when you're also founding a startup, you should understand, like, do you need venture capital money? Because venture capital money has its own, um, you know, uh, things that you have to be aware of. And so like, you know, basically you're using this money to like, usually the idea is that you're disrupting an industry like Uber disrupting the taxi cab industry or Airbnb disrupting the hospitality industry. And you use VC money to grow exponentially, often overtaking uh, growth over profit. 
you know, and so you're using that money. And basically what VCs want is that they want that money back in 10 years that they would take longer to get back, say, in the stock market over, like, say, 40 years or so. And so you can join as a founder, build a startup from the ground up. You have a great team. You have to raise funding. You grow. You hire employees. You make money. You give yourself a salary. And then the way you get an exit is either you get acquired or you um, you IPO at um, the stock market. The other option is you can join as, like, a medical founder. You can join as, like, a um, founding partner, like medical founder, board member, those are also other great options. And you, and that's, that's the way a lot of physicians join. So if you're interested, um, you know, you can network with different startups, you can join groups, you can join accelerator programs and start contributing to some of your knowledge and information, get to meet other founders. And, you know, you can present them with the idea like, Hey, I would be interested in joining as a medical founder and so on, or be invited as a board member. Um, and then the other way to join is to fund, right? You can be an angel investor or a VC and you can fund startups. So that way you don't have to do any of the physical work, um, but you fund the companies. And that in itself is also a bit of a um, a full-time job in itself because, you know, uh, what people don't realize is that most angel investors actually don't make money (laughs) because, you know, the way the statistics work is that 10% of these startups end up being successful. And that's what we see in the news all the time. But the other 90% quietly go into the dark, you know? So as an angel investor, you have to be able to figure out that 10%. As a founder, you have to be able to build that company that's within the 10%. You know, as a board member, you have to join that company or a medical founder or a regular employee um, to join that company. But it's really important to understand is that a lot of people think that if I found an entire company by myself, maybe that's how I'll have the most impact and how we'll make the most money because I have the most equity. But keep in mind, if you have a company that's not worth a lot and you have 100% equity, it means nothing. But if you have 1% equity of Facebook, you're basically a billionaire. So, <laughs> you know, it's kind of like if you have a great idea and your company is say, valued at $200 million and you have 10% equity, you will still walk away with someone who is an employee at one of these fast-growing companies like, you know, Facebook and Airbnb and things like that. So, and you can still have the same impact. Think about it. The impact, now you're part of a large organization. You have an entire team. You have everything set up. So in a sense, you can have a much bigger impact than trying to build something from the ground up. But, you know, it's all possible. You know, you have to go with what your gut is telling you um, and what works and where you are in life. But what I always say is, you know, always understand your personal finance first, because when you do, that's when you can make big decisions. In fact, my spouse, he had a really good opportunity to join a startup um, two years ago. And so we did all the math and we ran all the numbers and we realized that it's better for him to stay at his corporate job right now at one of the tech companies than go and take this huge risk and work on a startup from the ground up. Because if you look at the returns and the market and the salary and the equity and how you how much you'd get back, you're able to make that decision. So that's a really hard and tough decision to make because you know, even if it's a well-founded startup, but if you don't understand your own personal finance, it's hard to make these decisions. So a simple calculator and a simple Excel sheet will change your life. And so as long as you understand that, like you can make almost any decisions on what company you should join and so on. That's awesome advice. Uh, yeah, just, um, I got 
done uh, coaching this this uh, couple and really like you know they did the 20% savings plan and they're figuring out what to do and you know a lot of physicians you know they're trying to get into these um startups and IPOs and all of these things and they don't have their finances you know mm-hmm. understand basics so that you know that's you know high risk So, um, but, uh, yeah, you brought up a couple interesting points, you know, especially in the, um, VC angel investing, the startup space, it's all about networks. So what are some ways that physicians can join? What are some networks and how are ways that physicians can join these, uh, startup networks? Yeah. So first things first, you want to make sure that you're um, subscribed to all of these amazing like technology magazines. Um, so, you know, anything from um, Recode, TechCrunch, you know, Wirecutter, like um, the Wirecutter is more in New York Times than they, you know, so any of these like um, really uh, venture beat, like that's another good one. Um, you want to make sure that you're subscribed to those. Um, any new startup, you're going to see it mentioned in AngelList or F6S. Um, or the pitch book, you can see like how much, um, like what um, uh, startups are available. Uh, you can also check its funding and the level in TechCrunch or pitch book as well. And then the best way really is like just get immersed into the ecosystem. So whichever way, like wherever you are in the closest proximity. So there are colleges and universities, perhaps even medical schools that have accelerator programs, incubator programs. Um, the best known incubator program here is called Y Combinator. They gave rise to like, um, you know, a Dropbox and Airbnb and Stripe and things like that. Um, And even then, remember, all of the companies that they invest, not 100% of them end up being successful, you know, very, a very small amount, but you're going to obviously hear about all the top startups. Um, So, um, so getting into the network, you know, and start with, you know, from a perspective of like learning and understanding, um, start understanding some of the language, you know, um, understand like what is the rate of success, like a lot of people you know, they think that everyone is becoming a billionaire here and that's not true. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, it's understanding. It's really a lot of it's also luck. You know, that's one thing that I definitely learned. Like I thought if you work hard and you have a good idea, like you will be successful, you know, that's kind of how it works in medicine, right? Like if you work really hard and you're pretty smart, like you'll get through, but that's not the case in startups because there's so many other factors that play into this. So For example, DoorDash was struggling right before the pandemic and they really skyrocketed after the pandemic happened versus a lot of the co-working spaces like WeWork and um, some of the the women-led co-working spaces, they all crashed. So you never know. Sometimes everything is out of your control. So you just never know like what is going to work and what's not. You just do the best you can. And there's you know a lot of factors that go into it. So networking and understanding, like what is it that you um, love? How can you contribute? What's a good team that you can join? Um, you know, you want to make sure that the startup is funded. You want to make sure that it's in the right trajectory. Like, you know, make sure about all of those things. Don't be afraid to ask questions. Um, and so just get into the network and start getting on the listserv, start, um, you know, and then once you're ready, what you, the best way to approach a founder or to join a team is to get a warm introduction if possible. So you say, you know, say someone knows me and I say, Hey, I know Chris, um, he's really great. And, you know, I introduce you and then you'll get a much better response than cold emails. But remember for especially VC and um, even many of the founders, like their job is to also read these emails, right? Like as a founder, you're hiring all the time. So you really should be reading. So any cold email that you send is okay too, because sometimes you don't have a network, you know? Um, 
So, and I know what it's like, especially for um, women, um, minorities, underrepresented groups that get so little funding. Like sometimes, um, you know, the best form for them is to do cold emails and that works too. So do whatever works. If you have a passion for it, go for it. Um, you know, and of course, know your worth. Remember to ask for equity, how much equity, what it means, like how it vests, like how long does it last? What if you leave the company? Like these are all important questions to ask. So, so basically start reading. Start looking at um, some of these um, groups like AngelList and, um, you know, Crunchbase of all the different companies and then start to get to know founders and then send them an email or contact, um, connect with them via Twitter and um, and try to get an interview and go from there. That's that's awesome. Yeah. Um, and what also what one thing is, uh, you know, with you living in the, uh, the, the valley, uh, are you seeing, so for example, you know, the traditional way was you get, uh, you, you went through an IPO, but, you know, recently a lot of companies like Coinbase, uh, they did a direct listing, you know, they didn't, and that, or via SPACs, you know, we can talk about the advantages and disadvantages of SPACs, but are you seeing uh, companies raise money through tokenization? Because I know, uh, you know, some some crypto companies, blockchain companies, now they issue tokens, so they don't really have to go through this other, and now some, you know, art, artists and creators are um, minting NFTs to generate funding. Are you seeing any of that in the Valley? Yeah, we're definitely seeing definitely a lot of SPACs, which, you know, there's controversies on all sides regarding that and yeah. crypto crypto and nft spaces as well um you know the the whole thing about the crypto and nft space is of course it's still all speculative so when people ask me whether if if you're getting your startup founded or whatever um you know make sure that you really understand it and you know it makes sense for your industry so like when it comes to for example personal finance i always say you know of course you can invest in crypto or whatever but keep it less than 10 percent of your portfolio you know, work because there's things like low cost index funds and ETFs that have worked historically and people have comfortably retired. And if you want to look into that, you can join the Boggleheads forum um, for anyone that's not aware. And you can see how so many people have comfortably and happily retired early or on during retirement around 67, 68. And um, and they were able to do so comfortably. So this is something that you know that absolutely works. Now, this is something like crypto and stuff. You know, it's, it's becoming more mainstream. I was actually not um, you know, I was against, not against it, but I was like not for it for a long time because it just was so speculative and, mm. you know, but because the adoption rate is so high now, you know, I always say, so ultimately I did end up um, investing in crypto, um, very small percentage of my portfolio, but just understand that it's all speculative. Like you can't put all of your savings and worth and everything into that, even though a lot of b bros here have, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so, you know, it's one of those like, you know, do you do the try and true method or do you try to get rich quick kind of thing? You know, so, you know, feel free to play around for less than 10 percent of your portfolio. But, you know, please be careful and, you know, stick to things that work, in my opinion. Yeah, that's that's wonderful. Do your own research. Don't uh, invest money you can't afford to lose. Right. Um, you know, diversify and so um diversify, diversify. So uh yeah, um yeah, some of my friends they're all, they have a hundred percent like they're younger, like gen they're millennials. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So they have, you know, they're sixty percent, you know, some of them are a hundred percent, they don't even worry about the stocks anymore yeah, and <laughs> so. be aware that everyone's not playing the same game like if yeah. you have parents that have give you a huge safety net and you can go and like put a hundred percent you're young and you lose all that money no problem right you can continue working but yeah. if you're in your 40s 
and you don't understand this market, like be careful. And if, you know, that's one thing I also learned as a founder, like, you know, a lot of the things that's not covered in the news is like how much of a safety net and privilege a lot of these founders come from. Like, as we know, statistically, white male founders from Ivy League universities, you know, Harvard, Stanford, they literally have like pipeline programs and, um, you know, they get funded and, you know, they have this huge safety net. Like even, you know, Jeff Bezos, his parents gave him $200,000. Like a lot of us growing up, our parents didn't have $200,000 to just give us to build out Amazon, you know, Um, you know, things like even, um, and even it's been hard for them, even Bill Gates, like when he left, he uh, went back, he went back to Harvard to study again, and then he came back out. And they also had like VCs were like, really reaching out to them and giving them money, literally throwing money saying, come and build this because we need someone, you know, to build this out. So, you know, so just be careful and understand that not everyone is playing the same game not everyone has the same level of privilege so be um, confident who you are and what you can your risk tolerance and go from there so um so be aware of that (laughs) awesome uh yeah on that note uh how i know a lot of people are interested so um any courses products uh website i know you're active on instagram so tell everybody how to contact you Sure. So you can find me on Instagram. I'm at Dr. Underscore Finances. I post a lot of fun and visual content. Everyone seems, everyone loves my content. I love making it. Um, I'm really passionate about personal (laughs) finance because I feel like it honestly changed my life. Like I didn't, if this didn't exist, like my life would be very different right now. But, um, you know, I found out about how you can reach financial independence, about the Trinity study and things like that. And I have all that posted on my Instagram. So you can um, follow there. And I also have a course. I have a um, comprehensive personal finance course, everything you need to know, everything from mindset to, um, you know, how to invest in low cost index funds to estate planning to 529s for your children. And I have two bonus lectures, one on how you can join the tech industry, as well as cybersecurity for physicians, since I'm also really really interested in cybersecurity and how to protect yourself and making sure that, you know, you're not hacked online and what to do if you are. So, um, so yeah, all of that is on my, um, Instagram as well as my website, uh, drfinances.com. Awesome. Awesome. So on that note, uh, thanks so much. And, uh, we look forward to hearing about your progress in the future. Sure. Yeah. Thank you so much, Chris. I really appreciate it. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care and we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. What a fantastic show. I hope you enjoyed our very special guest. Just remember, as a shout out to our this week's sponsor, CityVest.com. CityVest gives you access to the best real estate private equity funds with enhanced investment terms, verified due diligence, and lower risk. You can check them out at CityVest.com or click on the link in the show notes below to hear about their upcoming investment offerings. I'm excited that you made it for another episode. You are truly the best. If you've been following the show for a while, you know that my passion is to bring you the education you need to find your path to financial freedom. Please come back week after week for new content, new resources, and great guests. Until then, if you haven't already, please be sure to check out the website, www.drchrislewmdphd.com for more support. I'll see you next week.